right, we're live and we're rolling, and this is The Real Venture. I'm your co-host, Peyton. And I am your co-host, Luke, and we are entering the world of business by starting a few companies of our own. So we decided to create this podcast as a platform so that we could ask other successful entrepreneurs the questions that we need answered in order to help our business grow. Every single week, we are joined by CEOs, venture capitalists, artists, co-founders, and influencers, all with one thing in common, they're young entrepreneurs. The only thing I'm gonna need you to do is hit that subscribe button below so you never miss a conversation. Every single Wednesday, Luke and I are going to be right here and we can't wait for you to join us. RJ, hey, thank you so much for uh, for coming on today. Why don't we just kind of start off by you just telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to, to have this conversation with you and see if I can add some value for your audience. Um, so uh, my name is RJ Grimshaw. I'm the CEO president for a company by the name of Unify Equipment Finance. We're based in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Go blue. There you go. Got, 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 had to throw that in there. I, I had to, you know, I, I had to, but Purdue had a huge win this weekend. So kudos to you guys. And it's fun to see uh, other big 10 teams having the success rather than the normal teams that always are at the top of the, the division. So a little bit more about Unify. We're a $100 million equipment finance company. We help, help small businesses across the country finance the equipment that they need to either grow revenue or become more efficient in their organizations. And, and really, that's my why. Um, I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. Uh, I understand what it is to make payroll, what it is to figure out insurance costs, what it is to, you know, the distribution, supply chain challenges. So I can really try and relate to, to business owners and, and anything that we can do to help them. Um, and I have hundreds of stories that we did that. But my real passion is educating people and organizations about entrepreneurship uh, because I identified myself as an entrepreneur back in early 2000, mid 2000s, as I was working in corporate America, uh, taking that mindset and deploying that within a corporation, within an organization. That, that's why I'm so excited to have you on today, because we're going to dive into what entrepreneurship is, because for a lot of people, they're probably not exactly sure. You know, we throw around the term entrepreneur all the time. It's all over Twitter, Instagram. You know, if you're not grinding 24 seven, you're not an entrepreneur. So let's, you know, frame this conversation by diving into what entrepreneurship is and then how it fits into the framework of the majority of people's careers. Sure. And I completely agree. Um, Entrepreneurship is a term that a lot of people aren't aware of, or if they are aware of it, they're not sure what it is. And really what it is, is the successful adaption of an uh, entrepreneur's mindset within the framework of an organization. And that is very key that the entrepreneur, which I view myself as an entrepreneur, my vision falls in line with the parent company's vision and the culture and where the direction of the organization is. So it's having that mindset that you are the owner of your role within the organization. And I firmly believe that this mindset and culture is more important to small and medium-sized businesses than it is large corporations. It's important for both, but in the world that we live in, I firmly, again, I've seen the success of it because business owners are asked to do more and more with limited resources. So you have to have a special individual with characteristics of an entrepreneur. And it's easy to identify those. And we'll talk about that in a little bit later to identify those characteristics of an entrepreneur within your company. And it's, it's special 
but most people have it in their core, in their being of who they are. And if they don't, that's okay as well, because the last thing you want to have is if you're a company of 20 people, 19 entrepreneurs that are running around trying to do this, because it'd be the same thing if you had 10 entrepreneurs, you know, with these visions and, and dreams and things of that nature. And the best way to look at an entrepreneur, the best way to, to, to think about this is the entrepreneur has the dream and the vision to solve a, a problem. The entrepreneur is the person that takes those dreams and make them real and drive the execution within the organization. Yeah. And that's yeah. where the parallel really works well together. So it, it's a team. Well, it's a team, but it's an individual. And the teamwork comes from the culture. The The business owner or the manager or the CEO has to foster this type of environment and culture within the organization. And that's where it starts. And if the, the ownership or the culture doesn't allow entrepreneurship to take place, then it will fail. And that's okay, too. So what I'm saying is, though, if you identify yourself as that entrepreneur within the company and you're not finding your, your needs aren't being filled within that organization, find a company that will foster that. And you'll see as you look at job descriptions, you will start seeing more and more organizations that are actually listing entrepreneur mm-hmm. on their job descriptions. Yeah. And yeah. we actually did an A-B testing here at Unify with that term in our job descriptions. And the quality of the candidate was tremendously better by that term being in there because they can identify with that word. And we also put a, an asterisk with the definition at the bottom yeah, of, yeah. of what it is. So people- that, That's a good it. move. And then we also put, please Google and research this topic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that that's a differentiator. Right now there's a war on talent, right? It's the great resonation. It's everyone either going out on their own, which is, which is great, outstanding. People are chasing their dreams. However, before you do that and take that risk and take that stress, and if you're not sure your proof of concept is there- Find an organization that you can go and work within and have health benefits and not have to outlay the capital and have that freedom to do that, but have that conversation early on in the interview process. And every great entrepreneur typically started as an entrepreneur within an organization. Just like, look at yourself, prime example. You went into a corporate America, out of school, you figure things out, you look at things, you learn what you like, what you dislike, and then you go out on your own to try it and everything you're during that time, right? You're learning. Yeah. I know. I, I love that. I think that that's a, that, that's a great, that's a, you know, a, a great segue. It's you start as an entrepreneur and it allows you to basically learn how the business world works, pick up the skills, um, understand the pitfalls and, you know, where issues arise, learn how to deal with them with the support of this big corporation behind you with the resources. Because if you have to figure all that out on your own and you just start right off the bat as an entrepreneur, the chances of you failing are just so high because you're like, oh, I don't I don't know. Like you said, payroll, like I don't know how to do payroll, but, you know, you, you work for a big company, you see it every single day. You know, the other thing that you kind of touched on a little bit earlier was the impact of an, you know, an entrepreneur at a small to medium sized business. And, you know, I, I just kind of want to dive into that a little bit more because is that because they have such a big effect because there are so few people compared to, you know, you work for a massive uh, company with 150,000 people, maybe your work doesn't go as, as well noticed. That, you're, you're spot on with that. And more, most entrepreneurs, if you look at, there, and there's so many studies in regards to disengagement of, of team members within organizations. They're just not engaged mm-hmm. with the why. They're not engaged. They're going through the motions. And 
I call those folks seat warmers and they are critical to large companies, right? Because you have to have people that are doing the daily activities. However, where you're going to see the substantial gains in a small company or a large company is with this entrepreneurship. Because from a discretionary effort perspective, your entrepreneurs are more engaged because they're driving change within the organization and they have a purpose and a why to do that. And that's mm-hmm. why I believe, again, for startups as well as small organizations, if you have a founder that adopts this as a culture, and it's not its not hard work, it's not heavy lifting to adopt this as a culture, and that's where we help pe- companies do that. Um, if they go to my website, rjgrimshaw.com, there's a tab on there. We actually send a small ebook on how to at least start the process to do that, to identify. And that's the really first part of it is the first step is, one, acknowledging this is we want to embrace entrepreneurship within our organization. Here's the framework. And then secondly, start identifying champions within your organization that have these five attributes that we can discuss to identify. And if you don't have those and you're hiring, now you start having this part of your hiring process of asking certain questions that, and and I can give a couple examples that I asked to pull that out of candidates. One of the questions I ask is if money was not an issue at all, what is your dream job? And I always answer that before they do to to make them feel more comfortable. And I say, my dream job is if I could go coach a high level sports team, I don't care if it's Michigan football, Detroit Red Wings, that would be my dream job. And, And that's why... I feel I'm successful. I've been successful because I coach in my business and and things of that nature. And I've always had that mentality. And then they'll answer their questions. And there's people that have actually started crying on me because they're so passionate about what their real why is. And there's also people that during the interview process, I'm thinking, yeah, they're not a fit. And then they answer this question and immediately it reverses everything because it tells their being of who they are. Exactly. And yeah. and it, that simple one question and then adding, again, entrepreneurship on job descriptions, you're, you're going to, you will see, we've seen it. So proof of, the proof is there. You'll see a higher quality candidate. Now, I will say, entrepreneurs at times, longevity sometimes isn't as long as that core employee that's going to be there for 15, 20 years. Because yeah. that entrepreneur is a life learner. They're passionate. They're, they're outgoing. They might leave you in a couple of years. And I've had that happen to me at, at Unify where one of our team members made substantial changes within our organization and then ultimately moved on, which I applaud because they added value to Unify and then they wanted to go somewhere else and try something new. This gentleman has a law degree. He has an MBA, four year. He's always a fitness guru. So he's just a life learner that as soon as they lose that sense that they've contributed as much as they can, they're going to seek their new opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, you know, not everybody can relate to this, but if you've been in the athletic world as a coach, you're happy when you see your players succeed because, you know, you know, obviously they they've brought tremendous value to your team and their time being there. And also at the same time as a coach, you know, you're happy because you just put so much effort and time into them. So to see them take that coaching and that success and, and, and move on, it, it's a good feeling. It's a great feeling. And, and, and what you have to do is release your ego when that happens. And, and that's hard to do. It's hard that to is do. Hard. It's hard to yeah. do. But you, you're spot on. And, and, and you realize, and, you know, as I get older, and longer in my career and older in age, and the grace continue to, to, to grow on me <laughs> a little bit here, there's, there's, and I call them kids, that I hired maybe 15 years ago, and you'll see them now 
in a very senior role. And I was the one that hired him into their first sales role. And I yep. did the same thing with one of my mentors, Adam Warner, who runs Key Equipment Finance. His first CEO president's job, I was a territory rep for him back in 2001, and he became CEO president. And he's been my mentor as I have progressed through this industry from a carrying a bag sales rep to a sales manager, to a general manager, to director of sales, to you know where I am today, chief sales officer, CEO. And he's been right there. And he always reminds me how proud he is of me. And that's the greatest thing, uh, greatest feeling both ways. And we stay in touch. I stay in touch with the gentleman. I just mentioned that we I hired his first job. He's at Cisco now. Text him all the time. Hey, you hitting quota? How's it going? Anything I can help you with? It, it, that's that's the coolest thing ever. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, if you do your entrepreneurship well, you build incredible relationships with the people internally that that transcended on. And I'm experiencing that right now because as I have, um, you know, we're, we're going to do an entire podcast episode dedicated to this big decision that I made. But uh, you know, as you exit your your job, you know, you created all these great relationships and these are people that are going to help, they're not could help you, they're going to help you in some capacity down the line. So being able to text them up, you know, say, hey, what can I do for you? How can I help you? All that good karma, is, that's going to come back and it's going to help you in some way. Never burn a bridge. And and matter of fact, when, when I came here to, to Unify, my best customer for the first year as we were building assets was my former employer. Yeah, there you go. And my wife, go. my wife, Mary Ann was like, I don't get that. You, you were there, you left, and now they're your customer. I said, I'd rather do business with people that I know, trust, like-minded. I left on great terms. I left the business in a perfect position, way over quota the division was, and I was taking a serious promotion. It wasn't where I was just leaving to go somewhere else. But all those relationships, as a matter of fact, I'm having breakfast next week in San Antonio with my former boss who now runs all CIT equipment finance. It's all about relationships. It's all about helping each other out. But I think what's more important for an entrepreneur is what they're learning, even if they fail. Because that's one of the questions I always, I always receive is, well, if they're trying these new things and it fails, how does that work? Well, your job as a leader and the job of the entrepreneur is to take those learnings and either pivot or cut, stop the, the what you're trying to do and, and start something new. Yeah. Yeah. Um, don't don't take the bandaid approach where you're ripping it off slowly. But most entrepreneurs are going to learn. I've, I've learned from every single one of my failings. And if you don't learn and that's the way we look at things within Unify. OK, what did we learn and how do we fix it? and How do we improve it? And that's what an entrepreneur is doing on a daily basis in terms of looking for process improvements, products improvements, customer execution improvements, and asking why all the time. They do drive people crazy, though, sometimes in an organization because they are that person. However, if you're fostering that culture and everyone is aware of that, then they those conversations naturally take place in terms of they understand what that person is trying to accommodate. Yeah, and l let's dive into that building the culture component because selfishly, this is this is a great timed conversation for me because I'm working on building out some, you know, finishing out our founding team, and I am looking for people that are going to help us change our business, take it to the next level, and I think 
bringing on entrepreneurs is the way to do that because we need, you know, that kind of drive, that thought process. Not we we don't want a seat warmer because this person is 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 going to be doing some incredible work for us. So, how you know can I start building out my culture to help foster and support that kind of person? Well, the the first thing I'll say is as you build out your organization, you don't you you don't want to hire. All you know, save you're hiring five individuals. You do not want to hire five entrepreneurs. That that yeah. will not work. I mm-hmm. would suggest as you interview people and you look at your candidates, there's five things that you really want to try to identify identify with the candidates or the people you're chatting with. Do they have an ownership mentality? That's the first thing. They own thing. They're they're never a victim. They never make excuses. They they own whatever they're working on, and typically when you're interviewing someone like that, they're gonna you'll be able to pick up on talk track of things that they're saying and how they position it and things of that nature. The second thing is a life learner. Easy question to ask during an interview: What's the best you know? What's the 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 best uh, book you've read recently that I would find value in? Or who are your mentors? Or who you know who do you do you listen to podcasts? You can pull that out as well. And I and to me, for what role it is. If someone says, oh, I love cooking and I study cooking, to me, that's a, that's that's wonderful. That means, again, they're a life learner. It doesn't matter what they're learning, but they're always trying to get better and be a better version of themselves the next day. Passion, passion for living means they take care of them, typically take care of themselves. You know, they just have a zest for life. You know, the old saying, work hard, play hard. Mm-hmm. You can naturally pick that up. It's it's an interesting story. My boss that hired me here Again, we all have our crazy little things that we do during an interview, right? So yep. he would time people, his his couch or his office, and then there was a couch in the lobby and there was a glass wall. He would time people from the time they left the couch and got to his door. Interesting. And Interesting. the reason he did that is that, and I set the record, by the way, you walk with purpose. You do things in life with mm. purpose. And that's the same thing with passion. If you see people that are passionate about what they do on a daily basis, those are the people you want to be surrounded with. And then another, the, the fourth is a calculator risk taker. You, you're, ta- you're in the process or have gone through the process of being a calculator risk taker. The business, the person who starts the business, the uh, entrepreneur, typically they're a risk taker. Sometimes they calculate, sometimes they don't. But that entrepreneur is a very calculator risk taker due to the fact that they're using resources that aren't theirs. So they're very conscientious mm. of how they spend money, how they leverage resources. And then they're always going to look for process and product development improvements. And the big sexy word is innovation, right? Everyone's talking about innovation, yep. innovation. But that is like we we're talking earlier. It's similar to technology. It's a big word. Innovation's a big word. It can mean different things to different people. So I've tried to really break it down to a simple process where people can understand what they're trying to do. And if someone just comes in, with those five characteristics, and then they're a champion within your organization, you're going to see a uh, increased, as we talked about, discretionary effort into the company. And the value of the return is going to be incredible because they're going to be allowed in the freedom to pursue those new ideas. And you're going to support them and they're going to drive your company forward. Yeah. We talk about it a little bit sometimes during the interview process that there's red flags. Are, you know, when you're comparing those five, uh, characteristics and qualities, what are some, you know, answers to that responses to that, that are, you know, automatic red flags? Great question. And, and the red flags that get me, um, are, are typically things that, that 
one of the questions I, I ask is if you see a coworker not carrying their weight in the organization, how would you handle that? And if they say, mm-hmm. hey, I would, do, I would talk to them, um, I like that answer. Uh, if they say, I'm going to talk to my manager and see what we can do to, to help that, that's an okay answer. But if they say, I'm not going to do anything or it's not my problem and I've had that answer, well, I don't, I don't get involved in that. Right there is a red flag, okay? Because they're not yeah. going to buy into the overall mission of the organization. And accountability is a key is key in any company, and it doesn't matter the size of the company. But it's more important in a small company because there's limited resources, and everyone has to carry their weight. So there has to be mm-hmm. a peer accountability piece of that. Another red flag is what do you do in your spare time? You know, if if you get someone that oh, I love to ski or I kayak or anything outdoors and they're active, that's, that's positive. If they say, Oh, I'm, I Netflix binge watch. That's probably a red flag. So there's little things you can have during a conversation and it's great advice too, for people who are interviewing uh, to, to, you know, lose that in their talk track, but it naturally comes to people that are, are an entrepreneur. They're going to answer the questions uh, just like I outlined. And then, the victim mentality of someone you're interviewing is blaming the former employer, or the you know, excuses that this happened, that happened. They're not showing ownership there. Um, so it, it's, it's not difficult to pull those out, but it, interviewing is the most challenging part of any business owner, a founder, uh, even in my world, it, it's, it's think about how the process works. You do two or three meets, you might do some type of assessment testing, and you're going to take an opportunity to hire someone. Uh, that's why you find that so many people surround themselves with, with people that they've worked with in the past and they have that history. For example, my director of operations here worked with me and my former employer. We've been together for 17 years and there's just trust there. And we know, you know, it, it's a it's a give and take. So um, but as you're building out a startup and a new team, um, we do a, a assessment uh, predictive index, which is a, absolutely amazing tool uh, in terms of taking the characteristics of a driver of a person. And we, it's not a pass fail, but it's to ensure that we're putting them in the right seat on the bus uh, that they're going to be successful. So it's a test to also protect their interests that they're not joining or we're not putting them in a position that they're not going into a position. Uh, and we share the results with the candidate. We have candidate, I have candid conversations with them as well to take that, you know, that knowledge that's being provided back to them. And I've never had of the thousands of people that we've run through the assessment, no one's ever disagreed with the results of the assessment. The, the trust thing is, you know, I've kind of, I've asked a bunch of people this question um, and I always like hearing, um, you know, their responses. Do you think trust is earned or does it dwindle away as, as things happen? As in, you know, does somebody start with a hundred percent of your trust or do they have to earn every single increment of it all the way up to fully trusting you or fully trusting them? Boy, um, I think we had the answer to that. You and I could go on a road show and uh, charge millions <laughs> exactly. of dollars for, for that knowledge. It, it um, That's a loaded question. And, and trust within an organization, I believe, is, is one of the most critical pieces of the culture. Now, with that being said, mm-hmm. I've never met a founder. I've never met a CEO uh, in an organization that doesn't try and micromanage things. Okay. It's their ba- It's your baby. It's your yeah. livelihood. It's your hard work and sweat. So 
the, the most challenging part is trusting someone with your baby and not yep. questioning them. And it's having candid conversations early on that, hey, this is how I manage. And that's what that predictive index actually shows us to how they'd like to be communicated to, how they'd like to be communicate, how they communicate. And you can have that self-assessment conversations where you're having the, the candid conversations. But trust, trust is it, it is it's challenging within companies um, because people are afraid to say the truth. I mean, let's be honest. We don't want to hurt people's feelings. We don't have candid conversations. Yeah. We don't want to hurt someone's feelings. And, and so we spin things in a certain way. And but we're really not saying what we want to say. And it's hard. It's and anyone that says it's not hard. I'd, I'd love to spend a couple hours with them over a cup of coffee and figure out what they're doing that uh, uh, is working for them. Yeah, they get, they got some secrets they need to share at that point. Yeah, need to share exactly. At that point. But I think to answer your question specifically, I think it's earned. I, I, I think that everyone's going to give you. Here's the thing: it takes longer to earn trust than it is to give it away to lose it. Hundred percent. It could take years and years and years, or a year or six months to earn that trust. But with one quick event a five minute event or a one minute, you can lose all the trust. You can lose everything that you've built over, the, over that time. And then you're going to, and it's probably going to take you twice as long to build it back. And I firmly believe yeah. when you lose it, it's gone. You, there's really nothing you're ever going to be able to do to build that back, to build it back. And then there's different layers yeah. of trust too, right? You're, there's certain layers of, you know, that that's why, you know, I would assume why you're doing things with your cousin is it's family. And if you can't trust yep. your family, Okay, you're, you're, you know, it's going to be a challenge right from the beginning. And, and I don't want to get into politics. And but I'll just say this. That's why you always saw Donald Trump surrounded by family, children, because he could tr he could yeah. trust those folks. Right, wrong or different. That's not for me to judge or say. But it, again, it's back to that trust where he knew he could trust his children. He knew he could have those kind of conversations and it wasn't going to come back and, and bite him. Yeah, no, ab absolutely. Trust is trust is so important. And when you're going to be in the trenches of somebody, you know, tying it back into sports, you got to trust the guy next to you because, you know, from I played offensive line, right? Like if I didn't if I didn't trust my tackle and my center, like I'm going to get blown up on a twist like it's 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 game over. So having having that trust and, and that's also earned through hardships and you know in, in sports, you do it running sprints, working out, suffering at 6 a.m. In business, you go through you know, hard economic times, industry changes, you know, big seismic shifting events, but it brings you closer together. And like you said, it, it just continues to build that trust. And then the next piece of that, I completely agree with you said is the celebration of that achievement. Yep. Because that's, that's where the, the reward is. And it doesn't always have to be from a monetary perspective, but if you achieve building out something or improving something or the customer journey, the celebration is important too. Um, it's critical to to have that that piece of of, of the pie as well. Mm -hmm. RJ, the the last question that I always ask our guests is why are you an entrepreneur? But I want to tweak that today to why are you an entrepreneur? I, I'm I'm an entrepreneur just. And I, I look at my life as in chapters, right? I was I, I came from a family of entrepreneurs. My dad owned several companies. My mom owned her own company. My grandfather owned a soda distributorship. My uncle it goes on and on and on. But I also had an uncle that was a CEO for Black and Decker, and I saw his success within corporate America. And I and I started my career as a uh, entrepreneur. I owned a bar. I owned a bar restaurant. I owned a couple other 
businesses. Then I fell into corporate America. And I could see with that mentality of ownership, life learning, which comes naturally, these things come naturally to an entrepreneur. I could see that I could drive success and I could have success and work my way up to ultimately what I wanted to be, which is a CEO of a company. Now, back in high school and college, when I would say that, and I've always said that, I thought it would be my own company. Yeah. However, I'm working within the framework of a larger company and I have my own company without all the risk, but I'm reaping all, reaping all the rewards of the hard work of the team and myself without any cash outlay. So yeah. great. You go start your own company. You're a founder. You have to invest money. You have to raise money, which means when you raise the money, you have now people you're responsible to answer to. It's like yep. I have a, a boss to respond, answer to. And I always love when uh, entrepreneurs say, oh, I, I don't want to work for anyone. I, I, I want to go out on my own. I want my freedom. There's a, everyone always has a boss. Everyone always has someone to answer to. It doesn't it does not matter. Yep. And it doesn't matter even when you get to the highest level. You still have a board of directors. You still have people you're going to answer to. So the reason that I became, an, uh, again, an entrepreneur is just it came naturally. And then as I learned about it and studied it and started speaking about it to other people, we built that culture within Unify. And I watch other companies build that culture. And it's not a hard, lot of hard work, but it is an either or decision. You can't dabble with this culture. It's yes or no. And I always tell business owners and, and, and uh, C-level people in large organizations, tell me what the downside is by trying to implement this. And let's have that conversation. And I've yet to have anyone say, well, this this could be the the risk. Well, there's risks in everything, but there's no risk in fostering this type of culture. And again, just looking at a couple of things to implement it and then have it now start being talked about within the organization. And then there's starting to be tools developed that actually drive this that's from a gamification perspective with the dopamine and things of that nature. And that's going yep. to take this concept to a whole nother level because now co organizations are going to be able to implement that within their company. And then people are going to buy into it. And this is primarily for larger corporations. Um, Huntington bank is doing an initiative like this. Um, so that's really cool to start seeing that evolve over a short period of time. And it will continue to do, do so. Yeah. And, like you like you've touched on multiple times here i just love the idea of entrepreneurship because it is a different path to get to the place where everybody kind of wants to be and you know like you said there's the risky path right you know two roads diverge in the yellow wood the entrepreneur route might be the the one less traveled because it's it's so risky but that entrepreneur path can still lead to the exact same place which i think is attractive to a lot of people because of the risk that's associated with it, with the, um, you know, if you're starting your lifelong learning path, you might not know a lot right now, but that's not to say that when you get to the end of it, you're not, you know, right. there's a lot of learning along the way and, and you can get there. And I, I love that there are multiple ways to get there. And you can, in the exposure you mentioned earlier, the exposure you get in working in a company and those relationships that you can build and you and I are, are wired the same exact way and probably your audience that we're always looking for, What's next? What's the next chapter? What's the next chapter? Yep. And when I, for example, that I took a position back in 05, 2005 for a director of sales, very undercompensated for the role. And my wife said, you're nuts. Why are we doing this? I said, this is not about this role. This is about the learnings I'm going to have from this role. That's going to get me to where I want to be, which is that CEO president. And this is yep. just part of the process. And it's not about money. It's about the learning, the education, the relationships. And again, I'm doing that in the framework of a large company. Yeah. 
I love that. I love that. And I love this conversation. RJ, where can the people learn a little bit more about you, plug those socials, but also where, you know, what are some good resources for them to learn more about entrepreneurship? So uh, they can find me, rjgrimshaw.com is, is my website. There's information on there, blogs. I'm on LinkedIn. Just Google RJ Grimshaw. You can see some videos, Twitter. I, I'm, I love social media. That's again, why you and I are, are, are aligned. It, it's important to put out good quality content, not just content for the sake of putting mm-hmm. out content and have strategy behind it and uh, things. They can email me. I answer all my emails if they have a question. But if they just Google entrepreneurship, there's numerous videos out there and gravitate where you, the person wants to take entrepreneurship. Again, it's a big term. It can mean different things to different people. Um, and then there's a lot of organizations. Do a job search if, you, if you're on Indeed or or any of the job platforms with that term and see what pops up. So there's a lot of knowledge out there and there'll continue to be evolving uh, knowledge in regards to this topic. Absolutely. All right, RJ, thank you so much. Yeah, appreciate it. All right, guys, Uh, if you want to continue this discussion, follow us on our social media, our Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook will all be in the description of this episode. Hop on there, shoot us a DM, hit us up with whatever concerns, questions, comments that you guys have. We'd love to continue building that community on there. Next, subscribe to wherever you're listening to this, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Overcast, you name it, we got it. And the only other thing I'm going to add is... As you're subscribing to those platforms, hop on there, give us rates and reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. Five-star ratings and a uh, and, and a comment go a really long way. Helps us continue to to climb up the charts and you know continue to to spread this to to all corners of the world and allow us to continue to bring on great guests. We really appreciate you guys for everything, and we're excited to see you next week.